so yeah, now I'm just walking out there trying to make this entertaining, like uh, like trying to do stand up at a children's Funeral? hospice. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, we're live. Great. Bear with a fans band. Go. Welcome to Bear Weather Fans, the podcast where we talk about the bears and try to make it fun and have stuff that we talk about and we like come back week after week. Talk it's about fun. this team. It's fun, right? It's so fun. I'm so glad this is how we spend our time and our lives. Just over and over. Your hosts are myself, Patrick. Uh, Coach Bob, say hi, Coach Bob. Hey, Coach Bob. Uh, of course, Ed O'Bradabot. Ed O'Bradabot, what's up? They're keeping that fool, that absolute fool. I agree with you, Ed O'Bradabot. And this is Bear Weather Fans. <laughs> Welcome to Bear Weather Fans, the the saddest podcast out there right now, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, you're you're joined here by your hosts, Patrick and Coach Bob, and uh, we just saw the Bears get embarrassed by the Browns, which is a sentence that would have made no sense basically any week of our lives except for uh, really the past two seasons. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I, I I still picture the 0-16 Browns that just were an absolute laughingstock. Uh, but no, um, the Browns are a very good team now, and the Bears are seemingly not a very good team right now. So, uh, I mean, the eternal optimist that is Patrick, you predicted, what, a one-point win for the Bears? Yes, I did. If you translate that, anyone that knows Patrick, that that's that's a two score loss. <laughs> a one point win is a is a fourteen point deficit because because when you can't get yourself to make them lose, that's as that's as good as you can do. I mean, right. I guess you could maybe say they're going to tie in Bears fashion. <laughs> it almost but, looked like the Raiders are going to. So, like, hey, you know, it's it's the weekend for doing so. Absolutely. Boy, I would have taken a tie. <laughs> God, remember not that long ago when like the Browns tanked for Johnny Manziel? Like that was. I do, I do. What and a great quarterback he is! <laughs> right, and now, uh, I mean, he did get solid lines eventually. Um, that's a, that's a cocaine joke for you kids. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> I was and, wondering. I was trying to think. I was like. Did he ever have good line play? And then I and then I'm so depressed right now that I was like, "Is that what Justin Fields is going to turn into if we can't do better?" <laughs> I I went dark fast. Yeah. Well, Justin Fields in his post game basically said like, "It doesn't seem real. It just feels like a dark place." <laughs> like what? <laughs> this is like we're like existentially ruining this kid. It's so. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, man. Um. 
Yeah. So twenty six six. Uh, it was really bad, man. It's really bad. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, I'm gonna start with a with a positive because you know I feel like I need to change the tune right now. Mm-hmm. Late on I me. thought overall the defense played pretty well. Hell yeah. Um, they held them in check. Uh, wow, for what the first twenty seven minutes they'd given up three points. And that was without an offense doing much or hanging out of the ball for very long. Um, and it really came down to an end-of-the-half drive that I think they could have um, you know, held up a little better on. And I feel like it was like the very stereotypical, you know, prevent type end of half, you know, don't give up the touchdown. And by giving them everything all the way down the field, you ended up giving up the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought the defense did play well, uh, overall, uh, the, you know, the points, uh, 10, 10 points in the first half, not the end of the world, especially when it's an end of the half touchdown. Um, and then the only, the only real, real letdown was, uh, my boy, Eddie Jackson had to continue his roller coaster ride and, uh, miss that tackle on I think it was Kareem Hunt uh, going off the right tackle for a 29-yard touchdown run. Um, I don't know uh, if you saw that one live, but basically he went in there, and I don't think he even made contact. Wow. Um, I, I think he completely missed. He wanted to make sure that he stayed healthy. <laughs> and you stay healthy by completely avoiding contact. Right. Um, yeah. It was it was impressive, um, and that was by the way when he when he did that that was late in the game and it was a one score game at the time so they were like just on the verge of field goal range I want to say and like you know you were kind of holding on to a you know if they hold them here miss the field goal this is a one score game like we could maybe get our heads out of our asses and make this a game and then uh, when that went it was like oh well there it is. That's game. But overall, I thought the defense did play really well. Yeah. And I will say, so this is your positive, and I'm going to immediately turn it into a negative. But you're right. So I would say uh, the Bears' defense did play a very good game entirely. They played, and the reason I say that is because, um, so the average snaps on defense um, overall in 2020 was 66.2. So every game average defense is on the field for 66 snaps. Uh, do you want to guess how many snaps the Bears defense was on this game? It's got to be more than that in my mind. <laughs> so yeah, I figure each quarter is uh, 16 snaps is a point of reference. I don't know. Eight, uh, so like maybe 75, 80? 81 Jesus. <laughs> over an extra quarter of snaps that yeah, that's what i'm talking about is like you're 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 putting the offense was so bad that first of all you're making the defense play that many more snaps but not only that many more snaps also just that much more time mm-hmm. like the bears defense held up so well and 
had they played a regular game's worth of snaps and a regular game's worth of time because the offense actually moves the ball, they're giving up in the teens instead of 26. And like that normally gets it done. Like if you're keeping oh, yeah. a team below 20, that's, that's pretty good defense. And yeah, I, uh, they were playing by themselves. I'll yeah. also say like, it's gotta be tough you know, going out there and just continuing to try to rally the troops, watching the other end, just have a three and out on every single possession and go, Oh, here it is again. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, let's, uh, let's get back to work. And, uh, like, I mean, there were, there's no, like you see, like even the other good, like, you know, good teams around the league that have a good offense, their defense can like really get amped up about like, Oh, if we just give ourselves one more chance, we can win this game. I don't know how anybody on the defense would have thought like, like for example, that horrible tackle that Eddie Jackson missed granted. He shouldn't have missed it, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, he couldn't have been going into that possession thinking if there's any way we keep them off the board here, we could actually win this game. Like he can't be thinking that because the offense certainly didn't inspire that confidence. And (laughs) yeah, I I mean, I just, yeah. So anyway, that's, that was my positive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's such a bummer, man. If you're that defense, like, yeah, like you're saying with Eddie Jackson, how demoralized you are, like, cause there's no hope for you. You're just, you're Sisyphus with a rock where you're just pushing over and over and you'll never make it. Um, so as a point of reference, the Raiders who had a huge overtime game, um, whatever it was the other night. And, uh, that was like a very long overtime game, like switching possessions back and forth. And their defense played 83 snaps. Um, mm-hmm. And the Bears played just four quarters and played 81 snaps. So um, especially with uh, how brutally violent uh, football is, it's such a big deal to kind of manage snap counts because there's wear and tear constantly and he plays a risk of injury. And so you're trying to minimize everybody's uh, you know hits in a given season. And, Going by that, if you're extrapolating across the season, they're hitting a 16 seasons worth of snaps in 12 camps. It's like, it's so crazy. At least it's um, not a long season this year. Oh my God, right? It, this could be like, I don't know, man. This could be a story. Basically, it's the Trustman season. If Trustman was even worse, because at least Trustman's side of the ball like was halfway presentable. It was like, you know, it was mediocre. Uh, and then his defense totally gave out. We had nothing to do with defense. Whereas Matt Nagy is like offense. He, yeah, like he has just done nothing. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he's still there. To be honest. Uh, yeah, this this game, like many other Bears fans, was one that made me uh, very much, you know, lose my confidence in in his ability. Um, and I think I think his last his last stitch effort here is going to have to be to turn over the reins to Bill Lazor again and see, like, can this save my job? Because he can't get out of his own way and save his own job at this point. He is so bad at play calling, play design, all that stuff, getting the team prepared. Um, I I think we talked about it pregame. We're sitting here going, like, man, they're going to have their hands full trying to block Miles Garrett and Jadavian, Clown, uh, Jadavian Clowney. And... Uh, yeah, it, it seemed like they didn't make any effort to block them. <laughs> and I don't just mean like, obviously they had the O-line, but 
they did not give the O-line any help against a premier pass rush. And, uh, yeah, that's how you get sacked nine times. Yeah. Well, because we were literally talking last week about, like, the different strategies a coach would use to mitigate that pass rush. Well, we were talking about, like, oh, the um, Cincinnati Bengals the other week uh, had actually a lot of guys out five wide because they have a quarterback who has already played a season and they really trust his speed at reading. And so he uh, they can kind of mitigate the pressure by getting the ball out quickly because if you have five guys out there, odds are somebody's going to be open at some point. And that you can only do with a really smart quarterback with uh, some experience. That's what like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers type offenses has. Um, and to see the Bears have that kind of scat protection where they only have five people blocking against, yeah, like you're saying, like and Jason Peters, who, as we have established, is the oldest starter in Bears history. Like, in Bears history, not just like old in the NFL, but like ever. Um, and then to have him, yeah, lined up in isolation against Miles Garrett is like coaching malpractice. That's like, oh, you need to have your license revoked. So bad. I mean, so, even, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. I, absolute hor- horrendous play design, play calling. I mean, you talked about it last week, too. Like, at least use, like, pre-snap motion, like, all kinds of stuff to get the defense off balance to try to get some reads to see what's coming. Um, and uh, let's see. Let's try to get him out of the pocket. Let's try to give him one read to determine if it's going to be a run or a pass, you know, with the run pass option or whatever, it felt like none of that happened. And he was running for his life and he was running for his life away from some of the fastest defensive linemen that have ever played the game. So like there was one time where he, one time he finally bootlegged and it like they, they left Jadavian Clowney unblocked as the guy that was going to chase him down. And it's like, this guy is like a four five defensive end. Like, he's, like, the fastest defensive end in the league. I still remember the play from, like, it was a year or two ago where he ran down a, like, cornerback that had intercepted the ball. or Sorry, no, a wide receiver on a screen. And he ran him. Who was it? It was, like, a 95-yard rundown. It was insane. It was against, like, the Seahawks. Or, no, he was on the Seahawks. Whatever it was, it was crazy. And it was, like, he blew by the cornerback that was chasing down this wide receiver. And you were, like... That's not fair. He's too fast. <laughs> like, um, oh, you know what it was? Sorry, he didn't even catch him. It was a highlight because he was that fast. He didn't <laughs> even get the guy, but because it was a screen pass, he was on the wrong side of the line. And the thing popped up on my feed, and it was like, check out like the most impressive play that didn't actually happen because it was a screen pass to the other side. Uh, the running back breaks free. And the closest guy to tackling him, like 90 yards later, is Jadavian Clowney from the other side of the O-line, or the D-line. And, like, he basically gets there. I mean, just absolute freak show of an athlete. Um, I was getting confused with uh, D, uh, DK Metcalf on a pick. Oh, that yeah. Was, that was what. But um, it was the same type of look where it's like, this guy's too big to be that fast. And uh, Jadavian Clowney had one as well. Um, he just just fell short. And I was like, I can't believe it's even close that he's, and he was, he was also like burning by like his own cornerbacks and stuff. And this guy's 270 pounds or whatever he is. So that's where we're rolling out. Justin Fields against that guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember you and I swapping, uh, Jadevian Clowney's, uh, high school highlights and just marveling mm-hmm. like this dude is like not human. Just like, no. yeah. Um, uh, 
and if anyone has a time, just like YouTube, uh, Jadavion Clowney high school highlights because he uh, was his exact same size and strength he was now uh, back when he was playing against like seventeen year olds <laughs> and like it's not the, fair. Yeah, the top comment on the channel or on the video is just this is child abuse. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the point being like. It's not a secret that he's very good and very athletic. Like, that's been known since he was about 17 or 18. And uh, I... So let me ask you this. So we talked last week about how important it is to evaluate what kind of you do well and then how to scheme towards that. So it's like uh, the old Bill Belichick quote is, um, find out what the opponent does best and take that away from him. So it's like... The opposite of that is if you are the one scheming your own offense, it's like, all right, what do we do well and how do we get to do that? So if you are the one calling the Bears plays, could you imagine doing a worse job to cater towards what like Justin Fields and the offense does well? Unbelievable. Every Everything was broken. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, like, there are other things to alleviate pressure. Like when, when those defensive ends start just like seriously, like putting their hand in the dirt and knowing all I have to do is get to Justin Fields five feet behind the line of scrimmage. Is that not like the most a plus plus time to throw the screen pass? Right. I feel like I didn't see it all game. Like when they're getting the, like, it is rolling time to go get the quarterback vibes, which they got early and often in this game. I feel like we never called like the counter. Hey, why don't we let him go this time? Because it kind of feels like we're letting him go every time. So they're going to really feel like it's going to be sold. And it's funny how often the Browns did it to us. And we did not seem to learn from that. I feel like every time, we were about to get pressure. It was because it was a called uh, screen pass and <laughs> they like gouged us on it. And again, like a really quick one read, you know, th- like, I mean, how, how easy would it be to sell that uh, David Montgomery is going to go help hedge miles Garrett. And then, Miles Garrett blows by Jason Peters and oh wait a second that was all set up because David Montgomery's coming out of the backfield he's got the ball and now he's got blockers in front and we're free because the Browns were going to be so far past the Bears right and nope none of it like just nothing made sense um yeah so very 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 poor play calling um I I can't come to Nagy's defense in any way shape or form I've tried to defend like his decision to start Dalton um, and all that stuff but I cannot defend his play calling in this game uh, I watched a few things over the uh, over over this morning and evening just about how disappointed everybody is and ultimately he's the head coach and it's his job to prepare for this game and he looked woefully unprepared yeah and part of why I'm like I want to get into specifics of like what the strengths are and how to take them away. It's your point about like uh, countering what the opposing team is doing. Like, okay, they're getting a bunch of penetration. We're gonna call screens uh, because I think I don't know if I'm. I, I feel like I made this outbound now, but it's like the saying: um, if they're getting a bunch of penetration, you give them STDs. 
Is that something you've heard before, or did I make that up? I feel like you made that up, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> but uh, it's like uh, screens, um, what is it, thrushes yep. and draws. But uh, the point being, oh, it's like... Oh, got it, yep. Um, what would the T be? Man, what is it? Uh, yeah, I must not have made it up then, because I don't know what the T is. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah, screens, <laughs> something, and draws. I like that. Especially because, like, we're pretty good at running draw handoffs. That's, like, exclusively our offense. We, like, don't run normal, traditional eye formation run plays very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm Googling it now, and now uh, my Google's like, oh, no, Patrick, you need to get your stuff together. But uh, Plus, it's 2021. It's an STI. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, but the point is, like, there are specific things you can counter Absolutely. Anything with. Uh, it's like football, you know, it's part chess, part battle, but it's also part rock, paper, scissors. And it's like if you see someone calling scissors over and over, like, you know what, let's call rock and see what happens. And if they start switching to paper, then, we, you know. Um, Absolutely. There's, I don't know, there's a reason that the off the average offense is still pretty okay. Like a normal QB completion rate is like better than average. It's like even a bad one is like above 60% which is like kind of remarkable because you're throwing against some of the best athletes in the world, and it's hard in general if you've ever gone out in your backyard just chucking to pass as hard as you can while somebody's full-run sprinting and looking over their shoulder. Like It's not easy, but you have an awesome advantage as the offense because you dictate where the ball's going at any given play. And so the defense doesn't have that luxury. They have to cover the whole field in some capacity because they don't know where the ball's going. And we were complaining last week about how the Browns uh, just singled out Duke Shelley, you know, Nickelback, and just picked on him over and over. But like, all right, we found the one weakness. It's it sucks that the rest of your defense is awesome. We're going to ignore all of them and just get the ball in this guy over and over. And uh, Matt Nagy does like the opposite of that, where he seems to dial up random plays with no inherent cohesive design or like intent, or just like, yeah, we you got to run on first down. Let's run up the middle. Okay, uh, okay. So everyone do curls, you know, it's stuff like that. And it's like, yep. my my question earlier about, like, could you have done a worse job catering to field strength? is because we were talking about, like, all right, uh, the Browns' defensive line is really good. But Fields is, like, in some ways the ideal quarterback to counter that because he's really comfortable throwing on the run uh, with moving pockets, with bootlegs, all this stuff that, like, neutralizes that pass rush. So in some ways, it's a nightmare matchup for the Browns if the Bears have a competent play caller. It's like, okay, you're going to call uh, bootlegs, we're going to get them, you know, moving pockets and just get them out on the side where there is no pass rush because he, you know, he, he's out there. He doesn't have to sit in the pocket and wait to get killed. And so when you see how many dropbacks the Bears had uh, without, you know, without any kind of like protection for him, it, it, it's just so mind blowing. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, they, I mean, Miles Garrett like literally just came out and said, like, oh, once we saw what they were doing, and they didn't change for the rest of the game. We basically knew exactly where Justin Fields was going to be standing, and it was a party to meet there. <laughs> yes. Who was going to get there first? Yeah, he's like trying to be professional, but he's like, I, I didn't think they were going to give it to us this easy. Like, thought they're going to adjust. Like, yeah, um, yeah. So, and we talked last week about how Fields is still learning an NFL offense and learning how to read a full field because that's really hard. Um, so you would think they would do as much to simplify his role as possible. And the most complicated thing you can do is stand in the pocket, do full field reads, 
arguably the simplest thing you can do next to handing a ball off is doing some kind of bootleg where you're just looking at half the field and you don't have to uh, try and read where the pressure is coming from all these different points. So with that in mind, there's 30 dropbacks for Justin Fields. Uh, how many do you think were designed rollouts? I feel like I heard this. Oh, yeah. Was it one? <laughs> it was two designed rollouts. Dang and it. even that's like, like, yeah. Yeah. It's offensive. It's offensive, yeah. Uh, in total, it was four pre-snap motion when we were like just lauding Matt Nagy last week about like finally being above league average. Um, yep. There are two designed QB runs. Um, yeah, it's uh, and only two, uh, two above five protection. Otherwise, it's just five guys isolated against the best, maybe the best defensive front in football. Um, when you have. You know, an undrafted center and a geriatric left tackle and a right tackle he, like, pulled off the street last year. It's, like, it's so crazy, man. It makes sense. It's totally what you should do. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah, no, it was uh, offensively a complete train wreck. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I think we've talked about this, but ultimately, you know, athletes win the game in, in sports. And as a coach, like I try not to like take too much credit for an athlete's success because it is that athlete's success. But football, more than any other sport, I feel like is a chess match, like you mentioned. And if you have a incredible play caller, it changes so much. And not just play caller, but coach that do- that does the fundamentals also. Like, you know, Tom Brady is a, is a legend, and I'm not going to try to get into the Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick thing at the moment. But I will say that I think Bill Belichick has a lot to do with how successful that 20-year dynasty was, and it was not just a good quarterback the entire time that, you know, made them as good as they were because... I think we've talked about when he got hurt, they went like 10 and six that year. (laughs) Um, They were really good. And like, uh, they've got a rookie quarterback right now that was on the board when we took Justin Fields. And I am happy we took Justin Fields because I think he is the far better quarterback. And I want to say Mac Jones, even though he had a rough day, still threw for like nearly 300 yards or something. Like Justin Fields hasn't broken a hundred yards yet in the last two games. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, this year, right? Because he, like, barely got any touches in the first week. And, right. I mean, like, he, he doesn't have that many yards in his three games of action. Granted, part action, part action, partly action in the first two. But still, like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, we can't do much on offense. Um, and, yeah, that's, I mean, coaching has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Especially in football. <laughs> and Belichick is like, yeah, he's like the most famous example I can think of where like his scheme does not matter at all. It's all about maximizing what his players do well. And because of that, his scheme like wildly changes week to week. We're like, yeah, there's a year you're talking about or um, when Brady was suspended for four games and like they had Jimmy Garoppolo start a game and he got injured and they had like, wasn't like a running back or something. <laughs> like, and they won that game too. And like, um, and in all those times, 
the offense looked totally different. And then even last year, he switched to Cam Newton, and the offense looked totally different. It's all like run-based and it had all these crazy uh, motion stuff. And then this year, they switched from Cam Newton to Mac Jones to like about as opposite quarterbacks as you could possibly have in the NFL offense um, in within the span of like a week. There's like, all right, we're going to announce Mac Jones a starter like three days before week one. Um, and he has no problem doing that because he is able to cater his offense that well and that implemented that quickly. Because actually, scheme doesn't matter that much. It's, yeah. So when you Play see to your things, strengths, attack right. the opponent. Yep. And so when you see Matt Nagy talk about, God, it really takes, you know, three, three years for this offense to really click. Like, you understand a rookie contract is four years, right? If it's taken him three years to learn, like, no, just nobody. Yeah, no. you're you're wrong. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you should not be you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a shame because I like him. He's just really not good at calling plays at the NFL level. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, like I said at the beginning of this, I hope he can get out of his own way and let somebody else call plays. Again, as much as people praise Bill Belichick, it, you know, he doesn't call the offensive plays. He doesn't call the defensive plays. That doesn't mean he's a lesser head coach. He's considered the greatest coach of all time, maybe across all sports. Mm-hmm. Like, just know what you're good at and do that. And I, I don't understand the uh, insecurity he has with he must be the one calling plays. I mean, it is atrocious. Yes. And like Belichick... We keep being on him, but he's a really good coach, and he's a good example of what to follow. Like, he doesn't call his own plays. Um, he relies on his coordinators because then he can be aware of what's going on and make adjustments in the fly. He, like, uh, I don't know. It, that's so much more important to be aware and to counter specific things in the game rather than, yeah, I, I agree. I don't understand his marriage to needing to be the guy because he sucks at it. Mm-hmm. And you're doing your team a disservice. Um, twenty three, four, five, six. I want to play another fun little game here. Uh, da, 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 da. oh yeah, I gotta get that one here too. So I want to talk about expected play over average, which is an advanced analytics stat. Uh, the football outsiders love, and it's kind of a way to control for opposing defenses. It's great. So twenty twenty was we were having this exact same conversation last year. Like, hey, Maggie. Why aren't you calling like play action, bootleg, moving pockets? Why aren't you doing anything other than sitting in a badly condensed pocket, having people run terrible routes? Um, so, that being said, Trubisky and his expected points over average when Matt Nagy was calling plays was right around zero. It was like three points over average here in 2020. And that was only for the first three weeks because then he got benched. Um, then... Nick Foles got in, and his expected points over average dropped to negative seven, which is, um, let me check my math here, bad. Uh, so do yeah, you want- no, that's bad. Yeah, also <laughs> that 10-point drop, I think we talked about this. It was hilarious because I want to say Trubitsky got benched on on our way to 3-0 and or something like that. <laughs> right, yes. But... And again, what you're talking about where it's like he needs to be the guy to call plays. It's like he needs his guy to be the one to run the offense his way. And he said, like, he has that one famous quote where they're like, why don't you run the ball? And he's like, I wasn't brought in here to run the I formation or T formation or whatever. It's like, you're brought in here to win. Like, do whatever yeah. that takes. Like, yeah. even 
even his motto, like Bill Belichick says, do your job. It's like, we're not important. Do what you need to do. And Nagy says, be you. Because it's like, it's all about him. It's all about this idea of who he is. Um, anyway, so, yeah. So, sorry. So, Trubisky, expected points over average. Uh, was five, four or five. Uh, then Nick Foles, when he went in, that, like, terrible six-game losing streak. The offense was awful. Dropped to negative seven. Um, do you want to guess what the expected points over average of Bill Lazor calling the plays for Trubisky was? Like plus 10? <laughs> 14. Jesus. <laughs> it's good that he got kicked off that duty right away. I know. Um, how many How many games did he call plays? Was it two? Uh, I have here three. Oh, three? Yeah. Yep. That sounds right. Yeah, three games he called plays. Things were yeah. good. And uh, once he solved all those problems, Nagy goes, oh, okay, thanks, man. I got it from here. <laughs> and what is absolutely flabbergasting to me is, so, you know, Matt Nagy kind of throws shade on Trubisky coming out of 2019. He's like, oh, we need, you know, my guy. So they get Matt Nagy's handpicked guy of uh, Nick Foles. Um, and then he benches Trubisky, like you said, on the way to 3-0. and um, he didn't even play a bad game, but he had like one bad interception. Like, all right, I'm putting in my guy for my offense, my way. And it's like the worst offense in the league by like a wide margin. So that if your ownership is like, oh yeah, like everything that Matt Nagy touches gets worse. He's the King Midas of like STD. Shitty. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but not the good. Yeah. So then he gets rescinded to play calling duty. His handpicked QB gets benched. And in the process, his handpicked QB is like, yeah, Nagy sucks at calling plays. He's like telling <laughs> broadcasters like, yeah, this dude, like even from the sidelines, he's ruining plays. Um, and then when the, when, you know, Nagy's getting his hands taken off the steering wheel, when uh, the QB, he doesn't want to play goes in, the offense does well. And they start going on a winning streak again. After six game losing streak, they win enough without him to go into the playoffs. And then Nagy takes the reins again. They immediately crash and burn again. Uh, somehow that winning streak was evidence to keep Matt Nagy employed. So like somehow Bill Lazor and Mitch Trubisky, two people that Nagy tried so hard to keep away from the team, like they saved Nagy's job somehow. Like it's so weird to me. I know this is like kind of an old story, but it's like it's so crazy. I don't know. Well, it's a story because here we are, him ruining games. <laughs> still. He still is losing us games. Because, <laughs> like, Trubisky was giving post-game interviews when Blazer was calling plays. Um, yeah, Bill Lazer uh, has a blade, cool as a laser. Uh, he's the <laughs> offensive coordinator, and he's awesome, and I adore him. Um, mostly because he's not Mad Nagy. But he is, like, the, like, we went over the offensive stats. He legitimately played... Called damn good games for Trubisky when he got the chance. And um, Trubisky in one of the post games, like the second one, Laser was calling plays. Um, They're like, oh, like, what do you think of this offense? He's like, yeah, this is all the stuff I've been asking for. It's what I feel comfortable with. Like, I have wanted to do like bootlegs and like moving pockets. I feel like that's what I'm good at. And it's like, yes, everyone has said that. Why is the only person in the world who doesn't see that man, Aggie? And how is he in charge of the offense? Why do we, why do we let, Somebody determine, oh, yeah, we're going to just play to all of our own weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. Right. It's completely asinine. And imagine imagine what I, – I, I like this nickname that I'm sure you came up with and didn't hear anywhere else. Blazer? 
<laughs> um, I just get giddy thinking about what he could do with Justin Fields if he made Mitchell Trubisky look good. I know. Well, hey, hold on now. That's how dare you, first of all. But secondly, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that it could be fun. Yeah. God. Like I hope it happens soon. Yeah. Like there's so many things Justin does so well. Like you'd be salivating as an OC, being like, oh my god, he can throw on the move, he can throw deep really well, like he can do run options, he like all this stuff, like I don't know. It's yeah, and so then to see uh, the Bears choose, let me check my notes here, uh, none of those, um, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, overall a depressing game, uh, not yeah. super competitive. Uh, this was uh, this was my biggest miss on a score uh, prediction. Ooh, yes. And I did predict an 11-point loss, and just not a 20-point loss. I wasn't ready to admit that. <laughs> and I was thinking that we were not going to get stifled to six. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You would have been... I would have had your head checked if you predicted a 1.1 yard per play average and six points total. Like, that's like historically it's bad. Offensive. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, 1.1 yards per play. I think I saw somewhere that that's, like, the lowest in, like, 20 years in the <laughs> yes. entire NFL. I think it was um, the lowest since 2004. Uh, let's see. If I am reading this correctly, CBS tweeted that the 1.1 yards per play was the second fewest by any team in 100 years. Excellent. <laughs> uh, do you want to guess where I, I saw this tweet from? Uh, it was retweeted by Jimmy Graham. Shut up. <laughs> You're lying. That can't be true. <laughs> so is that, is that Jimmy Graham just giving a big old middle finger to Matt Nagy? Is <laughs> like, that what that is? Which one of his hand-picked vets has not gone away just like utterly disgusted by Matt Nagy? Yes. Yeah, like, like, screw this guy. Dude. Oh, my God. It's funny because I feel like there was a bunch of talk like, oh, he's going to lose the locker room mm-hmm. because he's not playing Justin Fields. He's going to lose the locker room because he's fucking terrible. Yes. Um, yeah, it's one of those situations where, like, if he has another game like that and doesn't, like, hand over the reins or do something dramatically different, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see a um, midseason change. That would be great, man. I, yeah, it's tough because, like, his players, that was, like, his one saving grace is his players did kind of like him. He never seemed to lose the locker room, even after everything that happened. But his biggest saving grace being like, can you believe people don't hate him? It's like not really that good of a compliment. So I, don't I, know. I totally agree. And what I'm saying is if that's that was my point, though, is if, if that's yeah. his only saving grace and that goes away this quickly, mm-hmm. why is he there? Right. You know what I mean? Like they got to look at it and go. Um, time to make a change. And like, I would imagine that if you did a mid-season change it might be like an interim head coach or just like a you know the goal would be somebody else come in and bill laser take over the play calling because he knows the offense like it wouldn't really make sense for a new head coach to step in and call the plays because Mm -hmm. like he doesn't know the playbook yeah um and so like it'd either be in-house and uh you know it'd probably be bill laser if it was in-house i'd have to guess um 
but like even if it was interim or just i i don't know like i, I it's it's all uh surprising to me because i wasn't expecting this i wasn't expecting yeah. this horrible of a showing yeah. um like when you're when you're saying like it it's just that bad across like historically how like and in the nfl today is not a offense doesn't put up numbers like a like you know era to era the fact that this is the second worst of all time in today's NFL, that is by far worse than whenever it happened before. Because when it happened before, that wasn't in the era of the skill position players that we have today with the gloves they wear, the everything they have. Like, it's just not the same. Like, quarterbacks are now throwing for 5,000 yards. You know, I've got to believe whenever that last one was, that was that bad. It was not the same, you know, high-flying offense expectation where rookie quarterbacks are throwing 30 touchdowns and whatever else. So um, it's just, it's like all-time bad. Right. Well, like, even last year, COVID, like, made everything crazy uh, to the point where the Broncos QBs were all either injured or on COVID reserve, and they had to put a wide receiver in as QB. (laughs) Like, that's the thing that happened, and their offense played better than this. That's like. By the way, that wasn't just a wide receiver. I want to say it was a practice squad wide receiver. No way! Wow, I gotta look it up. That's incredible. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you and I are Bears fans. We've seen some like truly terrible QBs go through our doors. Like, I don't know. It wasn't that long ago we were watching like uh, Matt Barkley throw to Kendall Wright or uh, man, I don't know Jimmy Clausen. Like, we've seen some really, really rough ones. And so to like, yeah, even going back to Mark Tressman, like when Cutler got injured, they put McCown in and they had like a very good offense still. So it's like, and that was Mark Tressman and he was terrible. So it's like, I don't know. It just can't, it shouldn't be this bad. It's not, it's historically bad and that's bad. Yep. Um, so I'm pretty sure the wide receiver that played for, the Broncos was a rookie undrafted wide receiver named Kendall Hinton. Mm. Household name. Yeah. Kendall yeah. Hinton. Um, and let's see. <laughs> Passing completions. One. <laughs> Passing yards. 13. <laughs> I'm trying to find his uh, NFL stats, and I think they're not there because I think that was his only game played. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this wasn't just, like, a wide receiver. Do you know what I mean? Like, this was right. – I, I, I am, like, 99% sure this was a – this was a practice squad wide receiver that, like, <laughs> came in and, like – and to your point, they played the Wildcat. They played to his strengths. Like, mm-hmm. they played – without a quarterback and they played better than the bears. <laughs> yeah. And like, even though this guy's a wide receiver and they did wildcat stuff, Justin Fields is faster than him. Right. And can read defenses and can throw like, what are we talking about? Like they were a one dimensional offense where the defense knew you are running the ball every single down and they did better than, than here where like, Justin Fields is actually very capable of throwing the ball. You have to protect the whole field, and we still couldn't do anything. Yeah, man. I'll agree. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't have a whole lot to say. Other <laughs> than this is terrible. I'll just say, like, you know, the fans are still listening. We appreciate it. Um, and just know, like, football can seem complicated. There's a lot of guys, and uh, there's a lot of terminology. But, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, you can beat individual players one of two ways. Like, either be better than them or have better skiing. And that applies to all 11 players in the field, and that's how you win games. Like, somehow you have to get across the field and score. You do that by beating the players. It's up to you to figure out how. And so you might be confused by, you know, like RPOs and, uh, you know, cover six and nickel or whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, there's Miles Garrett. He's a very good defensive end. Do I want to uh, send a player to block him? And I think that player is better than Miles Garrett. Or do I want to do some kind of option play? And scheme him out of the play. And stuff like that is coaching 101. It's like something you can look up, you know, and learn in the next five minutes with a Google search. And so not seeing that kind of stuff isn't like, oh, the coaching's not doing well. That is like they are not qualified to do this job. Or for some reason they're doing it at a level that shows they shouldn't be qualified anymore. Yep. I I heard very compelling arguments this morning that basically – Regardless of the reason, his unpreparedness or his inability to change the game plan or, you know, whatever you want to call it, any way you slice it, that bad is a fireable offense. Like what he did was fireable. Like it was that unprepared and horrible. Um, so. Yeah. Well, yep. <laughs> all right. Um, Thanks for listening. Sorry, it's just such a downer. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs> Have a great week. It Thanks can't get worse. Yeah, unless we find out Justin Fields is injured, Jinx. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Knocking wood, somebody. Yes, I got it. I got you. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, bye. Bye.